0: If you would like to submit a story, topic or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skebanewsnation.com. Also you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skebanewsnation.com. Also email Jake personally at Jake at skebanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us or just say hi. Please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560271, The Colony, Texas, 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shout outs, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.
1: What it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth.
2: Welcome to Skiba News Nation bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba.
0: Hey Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 40 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and much more. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today, we're going to be talking about
3: AI mania
0: is spreading like a virus, George Soros trying to undermine our democracy, attempting to make Trump a political prisoner, confronting Fauci to his face, Russell Brand exposing Pfizer on Bill Maher's show nimrod and his burial place an all-new opus corner for history we'll be talking about the nuremberg code and how it's still relevant today and a very special guest my mom she was skiba memes and much more so stay tuned as always i'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host jake grant welcome jake hey
4: jeremiah great to be here thanks for
0: having me on every week <laughs> it's awesome man the best co-host one could ask for you ready to dive right in
4: yeah let's do it all right
0: Vielen Dank.
4: This week's news segment ties in with some of the things that Jeremiah is going to be presenting during his segment later on in the show. So I uh, have some really interesting things I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, let's kick it off with this. You're not crazy. You're awake in an insane world. For the exact reasons most people will call you crazy, right? <laughs> I've heard it said that the line between a genius and an insane person is is uh, very thin, Right. And, uh, whenever you realize the things going on in the world and you try to speak these things into people's lives to warn them, uh, oftentimes people look at you like you're crazy. You know, when you're the sheep that's going the other direction and the whole crowd's moving towards a cliff, they're going to be bumping into you and telling you, Hey, what are you doing? We're all going this way. Turn around. And, uh, and if you kind of go against the flow, you're looked at as a crazy person, but uh, sometimes it's okay to be a little crazy, if you know what I mean.
5: This first video is AI's most insane week. I wanted to discuss this with you guys uh, since we covered it before, check this out. So in all of the time that I've spent messing with AI and following AI news, this week has been the absolute craziest week in AI that I've ever seen. Every single day, there's been some sort of crazy announcement going on. And in this video, I just want to break down this week in a nutshell, let's get into it. To start off on the week Monday, we got news that Stanford introduced the Alpaca 7B model. What this is, is a model trained on 52,000 instructions, similar to the way the GPT-3 model is trained. However, because it's trained on so much fewer instructions, it's much more lightweight and can actually be used on somebody's local computer. When tested against tools like GPT-3 and ChatGPT, it actually performed almost as well as those models, but with such a smaller file, and less necessity for compute power, so that it sort of democratizes these large language models so that anyone can just run them on their own system. Elvis here on Twitter breaks it down by saying large language models are getting cheaper, better, and more accessible. Now, they tested this on a really, really high-end graphics card, and it took three hours to train it, and they fine-tuned it with the Llama models, which was basically recently released to the public. Carlos Perez here says, I don't know what to make about this development. Alpaca is surprisingly very good. The claim here is that training can be done in five hours using a single RTX 4090, a still fairly high-end graphics card, but a consumer graphics card. And then he asks, has GPT-like models been democratized over... Overnight. Now, while most of us probably won't be trying to run our own large language chat models on our own computer with what's currently available, what we're seeing with Alpaca shows that we are really, really close to this. It won't be very long where, similar to Stable Diffusion, you'll be able to just install your own chatbot on your own computer, have it trained on your own dataset, and have your own personalized GPT-3 or chat GPT on your own computer without even needing to be connected to the internet. We are very close to that, and Monday was a big breakthrough and one step closer to that. Now, on Tuesday, Tuesday was a huge day. So much happened on Tuesday, everything just kept on getting overshadowed by everything else. Now to start off, Google announced that they were going to be releasing all sorts of AI functionality inside of their workspace tools. We're going to get GPT-3-like functionality inside of Google Docs and tools like Gmail really soon, where it will just auto-complete your emails, auto-complete your docs for you, help you brainstorm ideas, write entire articles for you, write your resumes, write your cover letters. It sounds like it's going to be pretty much what we expect from tools like GPT-3 directly inside of Google Docs and Gmail. And then rolling out a little later after that, we're going to start to see it integrated inside of Google Sheets, inside of Google Slides, inside of Google Meet, and all of the various other... Suite of tools that Google has out there, we're going to start to see a lot of this AI roll into those tools. It's probably going to make a lot of these recent crop of AI-based companies fairly obsolete, since a lot of these companies are actually building tools that are kind of just going to be features inside of what Google is building now. Also on Tuesday, Google announced the next generation of AI for developers in Google Workspace. They announced that they're releasing the Palm API to select developers so that they can start building on top of the Palm model. Now, I recently did a video where we talked about Palm, and Palm is a multimodal model where it's going to be able to read what's going on in images. It's going to be able to read your text prompts and combine that with images. It sort of does a lot of what people were expecting GPT-4 to do, and now a lot of companies are going to get to build on top of that because of the API that's getting released from it. Also on Tuesday, Anthropic, a company that Google themselves is heavily invested in introduced Claude which is their own version of a chatbot. At the moment it appears that Claude is only available through API so Claude is being used behind the scenes on a lot of tools like Poe from Cora and like the AI that's built into Notion. And then on Tuesday, the granddaddy of them all, the biggest news of the week, GPT-4 is ready for us to use and it was in ChatGPT for us to play with that same day. It was a little interesting because ChatGPT didn't even know it was on GPT-4 on day 1, but the outputs that everybody was getting when messing with GPT-4 inside of ChatGPT was clearly different and better than what we were getting out of previous Versions of chat GPT. Now GPT-4 also announced that we're gonna be able to have longer context in our messages with them and that it's also going to use visual inputs and be a multimodal model as well where it will be able to look at images and use that image for additional context and decipher what's in the image and do all sorts of interesting things with the combination of image and text inputs. This was a huge breakthrough on Tuesday and really set the AI world on fire by the outputs that people were getting out of GPT-4. So much better quality of A responses but the accuracy of the information that it was putting out. It was just so much better. And then on the same day, Microsoft then confirmed that for the last five weeks, if you've used Bing at all, you were using GPT-4. They said, we are happy to confirm that the new Bing is running on GPT-4, which we've customized for search. If you've used the new Bing preview at any time in the last five weeks, you've already experienced an early version of this powerful model. So it wasn't what we see today with GPT-4, but it was an early version of GPT-4. We have been using GPT-4 in Microsoft Bing, like I stated in the very first video that I made when I first talked about Microsoft's Bing chat. All right, so we're through Tuesday now. Then on Wednesday, mid-journey was the talk of the day. They held a live office hours and 2,000 people show up to the live office hours because on their Twitter, they announced that they were going to make an announcement. And everybody kind of knew what that announcement was going to be, but they actually made two announcements. The first announcement was the announcement of the new MidJourney Magazine, which is a curated collection of images from the community as well as interviews and content around generative AI. They also announced that you can get access to MidJourney Magazine and get your first issue for free by clicking on Get the Magazine and then adding the promotional code, subscriber, and it will bring your total down to $0. So you can get your first month free of MidJourney Magazine. Now, that was pretty cool. It was a nice announcement, and everybody was excited about it, but the real big announcement was that Midjourney just launched Midjourney version 5, and Midjourney version 5 was able to create much more realistic images. It was able to do a much better job at hands, although still not always perfect. The images are much more photorealistic. They have a new tiling feature that you can use to make tiled images that line up perfectly with each other if you use the image over and over again. They added image weights back into this new version, and the way you prompt is completely changed. Now they want you to prompt in a way where you're using full sentences and talking to it like you would talk to a chatbot like ChatGPT. So it's got much better recognition for normal standard language. And they also revealed on this call, towards the end of the call, they didn't go too deep into it, but they did reveal that they're working on an API that if you want to get access to the mid-journey API to get in touch, which means we're going to start to see other products start to pop up, most likely, that use Midjourney for their art generation. It's also very interesting that the way that you prompt changed with Midjourney version 5 to more of a normal sentence structure where you would write like you would talk, but that also fares well for connecting it to things like GPT-4. GPT-4 is going to output more like sentences and less like what we were used to prompting in Midjourney, so this could mean that it will be a lot easier to allow some of these chat tools to generate prompts that Midjourney will easily understand. So that was the big news on Wednesday, was Midjourney version 5 is huge, and it generates some really, really amazing images and then we jump to Thursday and Thursday Microsoft announced their 365 Copilot. similar to what I mentioned about what Google was doing with their workspace Microsoft is basically adding in AI to everything that they do as well so pretty soon we're going to get AI inside of Microsoft Word we're going to get it inside of Excel we're going to get it inside of PowerPoint inside of Outlook inside of Microsoft Teams and they also introduced their new business chat and that takes all of your Microsoft tools and uses the data in all of these places to answer chat questions so essentially if you've got Microsoft Word and you've got Microsoft Excel and you've got PowerPoint, and you have Microsoft Team Meetings, and you and it summarizes notes for you, and you've got Outlook. It basically takes all of the data from all of these places and lets you chat with it, and it will look at all of these places to answer your questions. So, do I have any meetings on Tuesday? It can look inside of your email and see if there's anything that comes up for Tuesday and answer your question. Remind me what we talked about on that meeting last Thursday. It can look at your meeting notes and pull in data about what was on that meeting. It basically creates a fine-tuned chatbot for you of all of the information that's inside of your Microsoft suite of tools. Also on Thursday, the chat. GPT rival made by Baidu called Ernie was released and it was off to not the best start they gave a one-hour presentation on it and well everybody was pretty underwhelmed by it they didn't show it off live They pre-recorded all the responses to carefully curate how it was going to respond, and because they didn't really want to show off what it can do live, and they sort of carefully curated how it was going to respond in pre-recorded messages, the company's shares of the Baidu stock slumped by 10%. So shareholders were not impressed either, and it was kind of a miss. It doesn't look like they're going to be competing real tightly with Google or Microsoft anytime real soon. And that's just through Thursday. And I'm recording this video on Thursday, so if there's more big news on Friday, I didn't capture it in this video because of the timing of this video.
4: Wow, so that guy really had a concise breakdown of how quickly AI is developing. And I wanted to share you, that video with you guys because it's moving very fast. And before long, all of our interactions with search engines, uh, the images that pop up on Google, you know, all of these things, AI will have its touch on them. It's, it's going to have like a virus. Yeah, it's, it's gonna have an impact on every aspect of our online interaction. Uh even when we you know whenever you work for a company you're gonna be using a i and tools generated by a i uh so the the world is changing very quickly, and like this gentleman said uh this week and next week there's some really big announcements coming, so I just wanted to kind of keep us updated on what's happening in the realm of a i
0: yeah you don't need any more human talent anymore, I guess because it does it all for you, you know artists. Yep. If you're an artist (laughs) or, uh, want to write a song or the AI will do
4: it for you. So it's just another way for us to unplug our brains and plug into the matrix, right? Let the matrix do the thinking for you, right?
0: Yeah. When Elon said on Joe Rogan that the biggest threat to mankind was AI. Now I kind of see what he meant.
4: (laughs) All right. So, uh, in our next, uh, video here uh we have uh, george soros trying to undermine the rule of law uh checked out this uh video you had uh, the doj say this wasn't something they were going to pursue the federal district of new york say this
6: wasn't something they were going to pursue the the previous district attorney say this is something they weren't going to pursue and even this district attorney say he wasn't going to pursue it and then what happened president trump announces he's running for re-election and shazam no oh, now we're going to pursue it
7: Yeah, shazam. That was House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan yesterday on the potential indictment of former President Trump. Jordan sending Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg a letter yesterday demanding his testimony before Congress over his, quote, unprecedented abuse of prosecutorial authority. Sources are now telling Fox News that law enforcement officials now do not expect the former president to be arrested today, but an arraignment is possible next week. JOINING ME NOW IS WISCONSIN CONGRESSMAN AND MEMBER OF THE HOUSE JUDICIARY AND REPUBLICAN STUDY COMMITTEES, TOM TIFFANY. CONGRESSMAN, THANKS VERY MUCH FOR JOINING US THIS MORNING. WHAT'S GOING ON HERE? WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN WITH PRESIDENT TRUMP? AND DID THEY NOW FIGURE OUT THAT A MUGSHOT AND PUTTING THE FORMER PRESIDENT IN HANDCUFFS IS GOING TO BE HIS CAMPAIGN PICTURE AND IT'S GOING TO HELP HIM? WHAT WENT ON HERE, DO YOU THINK?
6: YEAH, THANKS, MARIA. WELL, I THINK THE KEY QUESTION HERE IS WHAT THE JUDICIARY Committee. Uh, the letter that Chairman Jordan and others have sent to the Manhattan District Attorney. um, What are you doing here? Um, What is driving this? Are you using federal funds to do this politically motivated prosecution or potential prosecution, who knows what's going on? What you have is a Soros prosecutor. And I think that's the key element here, as the Florida governor mentioned yesterday. We're seeing that here in the state of Wisconsin, where George Soros is trying to tip the scales on our Wisconsin Supreme Court. This is going on across the country. What is George Soros seeking to have happen here across America? He's using the Manhattan district attorney, Elvin Bragg, FOR POLITICAL PURPOSES, AND I DON'T KNOW FOR THE LIFE OF ME WHY THE DISTRICT ATTORNEY IS EVEN CONSIDERING
7: SOMETHING LIKE THIS. IT'S A GREAT POINT. AND WHY DOES GEORGE SOROS HAVE ALL OF THIS POWER? BECAUSE HE KEEPS DONATING SO MUCH MONEY TO THE DEMOCRATS?
6: Oh, that's clearly what is going on. You see it across the country in big cities across America. And I just alluded, we have an absolutely critical Wisconsin Supreme Court race that's coming up. George Soros has poured in hundreds of thousands of dollars for the progressive candidate here, and it's meant to undermine the rule of law. I mean, look at the Manhattan district attorney. He's downgraded, what, over half of the misdemeanors down with felonies but the one misdemeanor he's elevating to a felony as in regards to the uh, former president who wants to run for president again, it makes no sense. They have politicized the judiciary. And that's another question I wanna know is, or have answered Maria, is the district attorney from Manhattan, is he coordinating with the Department of Justice? We need answers. That's the letter that Sharon Jordan sent yesterday.
7: Yeah, all of this in the face of completely ignoring potential serious crime of influence peddling. Okay, we now have bank records from Joe Biden and the Biden family accepting money, cash from communist China. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer joined me on Sunday Morning Futures and he talked about the Biden family's Chinese business deals and what specifically the CCP was paying. Watch this.
4: We think there are as many as 11 more deals Uh, now. We don't know what those deals are uh, with the Bidens. You know, in in the beginning, the White House denied having any uh, knowledge or the fact that their family was involved in any sort of way, shape or form with the CCP, but now we have bank records that reveal otherwise. Uh, We don't know what the Bidens did in return for this money. Uh, The lawyer said that it was seed capital for a business. We haven't been able to find a business, Maria. Right now, it looks like uh, the Biden family just pocketed this money.
7: This is unbelievable. First, we have an email from the laptop. Hunter Biden talking to his Chinese partner, saying, we've done everything you've asked. We haven't, we haven't seen you do anything for us. Next day, or the next month rather, they get a $3 million check wired into Rob Walker's account, a Biden family partner. The day, a day later, a million dollars of that three million is distributed in small increments to Biden family members. Hunter, James, and Halle Biden. And, and there's no questions whatsoever from the DOJ about this. We have the bank records. That was only one deal, the $3 million payout. And uh, Comer says there's 11 more deals. Your reaction?
6: So let's go back to the Manhattan District Attorney. Is he trying to change the subject? Are people communicating with him from the upper echelons of the Democrat Party, including George Soros, and saying, hey, hold it. It's time to break out the Donald Trump story once again to change the subject from Joe Biden. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes, but they clearly want to change the subject, don't they, Maria?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. All uh, right, guys. let's talk about...
4: So uh, it's just so funny that the president that was impeached twice uh, is now back on the headlines for, you know, possibly he's going to get arrested. Oh, no. <laughs> and yet, you know, you have all these very big questions regarding the uh, the corrupted actions of the Biden family. And, and it's almost like, uh, kind of a, a sleight of hand move. I know it's all over the news. I think it's just trampsing up a bunch of drama just to be a distracting uh, topic. You know, this whole topic of, is Donald Trump going to be arrested? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think the statute of limitations and and whatnot is going to keep him from, you know, them from getting that mugshot, if you know what I mean. But that's this whole topic want. of... Mugshot. That's uh, all they want. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's just crazy... Uh, the things that Joe Biden and his family have participated in uh, is far worse than many of the things that got Trump impeached, right? The multiple mm-hmm. times that they put Trump through the ringer trying to get him out of office. If he had done us like a few of the things that Biden had done, they would have actually succeeded yep. in, in kicking them out, right? And yet... Mm-hmm you know we have this double standard and it's just more drama uh but i just wanted to kind of show that video because uh they kind of tie the whole distraction aspect of the trump story in with the sleight of hand that they're trying to play with pulling your attention away from biden and his family well so- this is
0: just gonna backfire it's just gonna backfire in the democrats i mean it just makes more as makes trump more popular than he already is yep yeah. And, I mean, good luck, because <laughs> the, the Republicans are going to go back at them harder, I think. so.
4: Oh, yeah. Time well, time. Uh, that brings us to uh, our next topic. This is going to require quite a bit of censorship, but uh, uh, it's going to tie in with Jeremiah's segment and our special guest we're going to have on. So uh wanted to kind of get you guys updated with this t- next coming video of a based man confronting – Fauci uh, and DC mayor over the CV. So let's check this out.
8: The people in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now. So I'm not gonna be lining up, taking a on a for something that wasn't clear in the first place. And then you all create a and miraculous time. It takes years to but create. Well, it, it used to take years. Okay, but it used to. It, it you know to how? Take years. You know how many years we're invested in this in this approach? About twenty years of science to get yeah. us to be able to do. Twenty years is not quickly. enough, and nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no yeah. b**** that you all came up with. When you start talking about incentivizing things to get people, b- there's something else going on with that something yeah. else something I, else going it on it is something going on yeah, something, something else you're right thank my, you for, my my thank my, you for my that. Incident, y'all, campaign is about fear it's about inciting fear in people you all attack people with fear that's what this pandemic is it's a fear it's fear this pandemic that's all it is
4: that guy is uh telling them how it is and i know many people uh i think wish they could have voiced some of the things he was voicing straight to the mayor of dc and to fauci himself uh, and uh, I think the, it's spreading. I mean, you have more and more mainstream people talking about this topic, the very topic that's gotten us flagged multiple times on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, many people booted off of mainstream platforms and have to go to places like Rumble. Uh, so let's check out this next video uh, on this topic. It's uh, uh, a, the breaking points take on this same video
3: so this uh there's a clip that has been uh, getting passed around quite a lot online that is quite extraordinary so we want to play it here um put actually the second element guys up on the screen first pbs is doing a little documentary of uh, dr fauci i guess they followed him around for a while uh, as part of, the, of their american masters series and as part of this documentary where again they were following fauci for a while with a camera crew etc and seeing what was happening this was like in the height of the push as part of this they went to a historic black neighborhood in uh washington dc it's fauci and uh current mayor mariel bowser and they are trying to get people who are not yet to go and get the jab so uh most i watched the whole clip that they've posted most interactions were very friendly there were a lot of people were like oh i already got it done people were excited to see him or whatever but one of the interactions did not go exactly as uh dr fauci expected let's take a look
8: People in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now.
9: What are we gonna do about
6: those other states? Oh my God. They're gonna keep the uh, uh, outbreak smoldering in the country. It's so crazy I mean, They're not doing it because they say they don't want to do it. They're Republicans, they don't like to be told what to do. (laughs) And We gotta break that, you know, unpack that.
8: Well, I heard that it doesn't um, cure it and it doesn't um, stop you from getting it.
6: No, on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get it, even if It's a very, you don't even feel sick. It's like, you don't even know you got infected.
3: So the uh, first interaction that we played that went on for some time, Mm -hmm. he had a lot of, and they just had to eventually be like, all right, you're obviously not gonna get the There's actually a lot to unpack here. I mean, first of all, in that last interaction, what Fauci says is really not accurate. No, it's just just not not not
6: accurate, it's literally not true. It's just not true,
3: (laughs) right? I mean, we all found out that, okay, the was, very effective in preventing severe illness into that is that is right. absolutely especially correct.
4: amongst those who are immunocompromised and
3: especially elderly. elderly
4: so the uh, these two news presenters on breaking points uh they strike me as kind of uh half in half out they're probably double boosted themselves just <laughs> based on how she kind of was finally referring to the the v as you know really it, it it's been proven it's fact it helps you well, you know, what else has been proven in this fact is the cases of myocarditis that has followed those who've participated and all of the propaganda and the deadly protocols that coerced and forced people to pretty much have no other choice at their jobs, in the hospital, people that were un un uh, were treated terribly. This brings up our next video of uh, Russell Brand, who was recently on a Joe Rogan podcast, sharing a lot of these things. He's uh he's actually you know covering a lot of truther topics that uh you know it, it's actually in- incredible to see somebody with such a large following and the ability to get on these big national TV shows uh, drop some of these truth bombs. Uh, so check out this video of Russell Brand. Out of respect for you and your show, I've brought
7: some facts. The pandemic created at least 40 new big pharma billionaires. Pharmaceutical corporations like Moderna and Pfizer made $1,000 of profit every second from the COVID-19. More than two-thirds of Congress received campaign funding from pharmaceutical companies in the 2020 election. Pfizer chairman Albert Baller told Time magazine in July 2020 that his company was developing a covid the good of humanity not for money and of course pfizer made a hundred right. billion dollars okay. in profit right. in 2022 right. and may i just mention that finally and these are this is also a fact that you the american public funded the development of that the german public funded the bioentech <laughs> when it came to the profits they took the profits when it came to the funding you paid for the funding <laughs> summing up on bill
4: Mayer's show right dropping all these truth bombs and uh, we're in such a weird age of of mainstream truthers right now, and so we got to be careful uh, that we're not led down a path uh, by somebody just because we've heard them say something true. And and I'm always giving these disclaimers when we're listening to guys like Joe Rogan or or Russell Brand, but I can't argue against what they're saying. It's it's amazing that these things were allowed to be said, but unfortunately, they're they're so eccentric that. People that might hear them are like, oh, he's just a new age hippie type guy. And, you know, <laughs> he, he's got all these interesting views, but uh, they ignore the truths that he's actually kind of sharing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what's interesting, and just recently, Elon Musk on Twitter uh, posted uh, this. He said, very important thread. And it's another Twitter thread from Matt Tybee. And uh, it's really interesting. It's titled, The Great COVID-19 Lie Machine. Stanford, the Virality pod Project, and the Censorship of True Stories. And uh, if you just start going through this, um, man, there are so many things that are really telling. And, uh, and it's given more kudos to Elon and what he's done with Twitter, allowing this platform to actually have things like this shared, which uh, we haven't had for uh, several years of censorship and propaganda being forced down our throats, and people being kicked off places like YouTube. The release of Fauci's Spring 2020 emails has been used to exacerbate distrust in Dr. Fauci, increase distrust in Fauci expert guidance. Uh, you know, th- it's really interesting. And, and if you guys have time, I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Just want you guys to know that. Um, this is something you need to check out. Reports of VED individuals contracting COVID-19 anyway, natural immunity suggesting COVID-19 leaks from a lab, even worrisome jokes uh all were characterized as potential violations or disinformation events by the Virality Project, a sweeping cross-platform effort to monitor billions of social media accounts by Stanford University guys, this is going so deep and this is the kind of stuff that they don't want being leaked. And, uh, and this Matt Tybee guy, he's really been posting a lot of really great stuff reading through this, uh, you know, it, the virality project reviewed content on mass scales from Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Pinterest, uh, all of these are very, very interesting things. Uh, so, if you guys have time, go over to Twitter and check out the latest Twitter files number 19 uh, from Matt Tybee, and you- you'll have your mind blown. Uh, so, we covered one uh, and two.
0: I mean, there are already 19 of them. That's crazy.
4: Yeah, there's there's a lot. I mean, we could spend a whole afternoon just going through some of the things that are dropping on Twitter, and it's why this topic of speaking out against big pharma speaking out against the agendas of the who and the wef and fauci and uh, george soros and like in that last video uh, it's becoming more and more mainstream because people are actually starting to be able to share this stuff on places like twitter and the words getting out to change the script in, in kind of a way so that's uh what i wanted to cover for that topic you know of course we're going to have to heavy heavily censor some of those videos um but uh just uh it's it's interesting and i think it'll tie really great into jeremiah's segment and our special guests we're about to have on but um to finish up our our new segment i wanted to share a interesting interviewer came on and discussed some secret tunnels uh on a joe rogan interview and uh And it it reminded me that your dad covered this topic. So we're going to share the secret tunnels video in Egypt uh, between the Sphinx and the Great Pyramid. And then we're going to share some of your dad's research uh, identifying the possible burial place of Nimrod uh, or Osiris. And uh, let's check this out.
6: There's something called the Osiris Shaft, which is located directly under the causeway between the Sphinx and the Second Pyramid. It goes about 100 feet underground. It's carved out of the limestone bedrock. It's the creepiest place I've ever been in my life. It's three different shafts, and you go down. When you get to the third level, which is completely dark and freaky, there was a side tunnel. Zahi Awas himself, he's standing in front of this tunnel, and he says, It's yet to be explored. I don't know what's down there, but they've since sealed it up. It's like cinder blocks. He's sealed it up. What? Yes. It's the same thing. Like they excavated the Sphinx and there was always said to be tunnels under there and there was no pictures ever released to the public. And some dude snuck down in there and took some photos. You can't see much. But what you know is that there are things that have gone underground in Egypt that for whatever reason is just off limits to the public.
4: Wow. Super interesting. Like what is down that? tunnel that they're not explored why is it sealed off well check out this next video of your dad being ahead of the curve man talking about this same location here and the possible uh burial place of nimrod or, or osiris or, or a giant you know nephilim being possibly buried in this area and, uh, and I found it so cool that, you know, somebody on a big mainstream podcast like that is talking about uh, some stuff that your dad went deep on. So check out this next video. Sweet.
1: When we talk about Nimrod, uh, just by way of review, in my teaching the mythology in the coming great Decep- deception DVD, these are just some of the names that he became known by. There are many more for this purpose of this talk. I'm going to focus on the ones in red, Gilgamesh, Orion, Apollo, and Osiris because some very interesting things have happened in the last few decades. They found the tomb of Osiris in 1999. Dr. Zahi Hawass is one of the most renowned Egyptologists out there. He said, I have found a shaft going 29 meters vertically down into the ground, exactly halfway between the Chevron Pyramid and the Sphinx. At the bottom, which was filled with water, we have found a burial chamber with four pillars. In the middle is a large granite sarcophagus, which I expect to be the grave of Osiris, the god. I have been digging in Egypt's sand for more than 30 years. And up to date, this is the most exciting discovery I have made. This is what they found. They, Where the red star is between the Middle Pyramid and the uh, Sphinx, that's where they found this opening. For years, they thought it was just a well, a watering well, because it was an opening They had water in it. and you know People would play in it or do stuff in it whatever. For whatever reason, they said, let's pump the water out and see what this thing really is. So they pumped the water out, went and found that it went down into this antechamber there and they walked around found another opening and went down and they found an area that had six sarcophagus and another opening, a seventh one. How many heads did the beast have? Seven. Seven. Six and one, right? So you, had, you had three here, four, five, and you went down into the other one down here. So they um, went down there and this is what they found. They found This is an artist's rendition of what they found. Uh, Basically, uh, a square island that had water going around it, like a moat. They had four pillars on it that had writing on it that I suspect were instructions for how to use this chamber. And then you have another moat surrounding an island that had a very large, I think it was about 10 feet long sarcophagus. The lid was open, and there was a body in it. (laughs) So, like, the, the lid was ajar, it off to the side, and they found a body in it. And everybody, after they examined it, determined this is not Osiris. Uh, very likely, it was somebody put into this chamber, probably with the hopes of being resurrected. Could this be a resurrection chamber, I think, is the big question. And it didn't work, apparently. The person was still there.
7: He talk so much about dispelling myths. How about confirming one? What is this?
1: Susie,
6: this is the tomb of Osiris.
7: The God of the Underworld, this once extravagant mausoleum, a moat with four pillars engraved with hieroglyphics constructed thousands of years ago, was intended to be a shrine for the keeper of the afterlife.
1: So, uh, flash forward a few years later, the tomb of Gilgamesh was found in April of 2003. Uh, And in this case, there was a body. And it was a very large body, and from all accounts that i had read and heard about this the body was still very well preserved
4: all right so uh just wanted to share that interesting clip of somebody talking about the uh the tomb of osiris on uh joe rogan's podcast and then a uh, throwback to what your dad's research tapped in on that and and after hearing that there's still passages that are unexplored e- even the guy that discovered it was like yeah we don't know what's down there right it makes mm. me wonder what is there to be uncovered still. And it just gets my Indiana Jones, you know, <laughs> thoughts running rampant. So we're going to uh, have to go down that there. Was, I guess. Uh... <laughs> yeah, man, we got to go down there and knock down those center blocks and find out what's in those, uh, sealed off caves. Uh, it makes me really curious, but anyways, that's all I have for this week, Jeremiah. And, uh, hope you enjoyed our, our news stories.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing uh, another great current news as always. And, uh, Now, a quick word from our friend JJ. Now a word from our sponsor. Now personally, I've tried every CBD product on the market to help me manage my pain. I have degenerative disc disease and nothing has ever helped me until I tried JJ's Natural CBD Rub. So when I found out that we had the opportunity to work together, I was so excited that I could share this amazing product with you guys here on Skiba News Nation. So if you want to manage your pain like I did, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive $50 off a three-pack special. Also, check out all the testimonials on their website, jjcbdrub.com. Get pain relief like I did by getting yourself some JJ's Natural CBD Rub today. Check out more info down in the description below. Awesome. Thank you, JJ. Uh, it's about that time for an all-new Opa's Corner. Take it away, Opa.
10: My hood, der hat ecken. Drei ecken hat mein hoot. Und hat er nicht drei ecken. Dann ist es nicht mein
2: Welcome to another Opa's Corner. So... Let's get started. Several centuries ago, the Pope decreed that all the Jews had to convert to Catholicism or leave Italy. There was a huge outcry from the Jewish community. So, the Pope offered a deal. He'd have a religious debate with the leader of the Jewish community. If the Jews won, they could stay in Italy. If the Pope won, they'd have to convert or leave. The Jewish people met and picked an aged and wise rabbi to represent them in the debate. However, as the rabbi spoke no Italian and the Pope spoke no Yiddish, they agreed that it would be a silent debate. On the chosen day, the Pope and the rabbi sat opposite each other. The Pope raised his hand and showed three fingers. The rabbi looked back and raised one finger. Next, the Pope waved his finger around his head. The rabbi pointed to the ground where he sat. The Pope brought out a communion wafer and a chalice of wine the rabbi pulled out an apple. With that, the pope stood up and declared himself beaten and said that the rabbi was too clever. The Jews could stay in Italy. Later, the cardinals met with the pope and asked him what happened. The pope said, First, I held up three fingers to represent the Trinity. He responded, by holding up a single finger to remind me there is still only one God common to both our beliefs. Then I waved my finger around my head to show him that God was all around us. The rabbi responded by pointing to the ground to show that God was also right here with us. I pulled out the wine and the wafer to show that God absolves us all of our sins, and the rabbi pulled out an apple to remind me of the original sin. He bested me at every move and I could not continue. Meanwhile the Jewish community gathered to ask the rabbi how he won. I haven't a clue, said the rabbi. First, he told me we had three days to get out of Italy, so I gave him the finger. Then, he tells me, the whole country would be cleared of Jews, and I told him that we were staying right here. And what then, asked a woman. Who knows, said the rabbi. He took out his lunch, so I took out mine. (laughs) And now for the funnies. (laughs) Working from home is going pretty well. Day 5. He's still in my spot. (laughs) Just how dumb are ye boy. Them's chicken feathers. Everybody knows that chickens can't fly. Grandma! (laughs) Grandpa, tell us about the days when you had to buy the whole album, even if you only wanted one song. (laughs) Don't worry, I almost caught the fly. Congrats! It's a spork! (laughs) Time flies. Don't kill us! We've come from the future bearing an urgent message. (laughs) Famous last words. Bye, hon. I'll be back in a jiff. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to present to you an amazing technological breakthrough. The Crush Proof Shell. Ooh. (laughs) I hate to be the one to break it to you, kid, but... We all play guitar and sing. (laughs) Read it yourself. It says, dozen eggs, bread, milk, chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) I have to call you back. I'm at spin class. (laughs) March Madness Rain versus ice storm, tornado versus sleet, spring versus winter, 78 degrees versus 28 degrees, snow versus sunshine. Raining frogs, locuses. It's this week's forecast. <laughs> Look at those dang fool teenagers wearing their pants hanging down low like a couple of idiots. Simpson, the Komodo dragon in its natural habitat. (laughs) Whilst doing a long overdue clean out at the offices of Ireland's oldest and most respected school of dance, Miss O'Hara made a terrible discovery. The Book of Irish Dancing, Volume 2, How to Incorporate the Arms. (laughs) So, until next week, adios, amibas! (laughs) Hey! I hide my head in that sand!
0: (laughs) Oh, the cat doesn't care.
2: Wait! What?! This rug is made to go around what?! (laughs) Horse inserts a coin. Horse rides a cowboy! I've been reading the news all morning, and now I'm stuck in puffy mode. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Good heavens! You don't have to carry all the groceries in one trip.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: you did. This year I resolved to relax more. Me too. <laughs> Let's see, no orange, no root beer, no fudgesicles. well for crying out loud, I'm out of everything. <laughs> Amazing, the mummified remains of a prehistoric cave painter, still clutching his brush. Seems he made an enemy though. (laughs) The joy of scratching with bob claws. That looks nice. Now, let's add a few happy little holes. Some happy little holes. (laughs) Contrary to the old wives' tale, a dog's mouth isn't always cleaner than a human's. Get your own (laughs) newspaper and take me for a walk before i on the (laughs) carpet. (laughs) And I can't believe you still have rabbit ears. (laughs) Just great. He was our only suspect. (laughs) Bailey's Irish Cream Farm. <laughs> You're flat, idiot. And that concludes another Opa's corner.
10: My hoot death hot that I achen hot to my wood.
2: Opas Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe.
0: Wow, but that was a great Opus Corner as always. Uh, now, before we get into history, I want to introduce our very special guest. My mom, my best friend. Sheila Skiba welcome on.
11: Hi Jeremiah thank you for that.
0: <laughs> I, wanted, Hi Jake. I wanted you to be here for today's hey. history.
11: Well 40 is a very significant number and I think it's very timely that now is the time to let this out so thank you. Rob was hospitalized for 40 days and this is the 40th episode of Skiba News Nation which I find serendipitous and Rob always really believed in paying attention to those, uh, to the serendipity of life, because it was often the Holy spirit speaking to us. So I just wanted to share just a few things, uh, biblically speaking that were also forties, just to show you how Rob really paid attention to it because there was an importance to it. So Moses and Elijah and, and Yeshua fasted in the desert for 40 days. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. Ezekiel laid on his right side for 40 days to bear the iniquity of Judah's sins. Three kings reigned for 40 years, Saul, David, and Solomon. Goliath Goliath taunted Israel for 40 days before David defeated him. God destroyed every living thing on earth by flooding it for 40 days. So they're just a few examples of 40s. And so when Rob died on the 40th day, I had to just find comfort in that after praying father whatever will bring more glory to you let it so let it be and then he died and then it was 40 days and uh, I just have to have to believe it's for a purpose it's for a bigger purpose
0: today's history has a lot to do with uh, the medical experiment so let's get into some history today's history, we're going to be talking about the Nuremberg Code and how it came to be and how it's relevant today. I
4: don't know if you know a lot about the Nuremberg Code, do you, Jay? Uh, Just that it came out of World War II time frame and uh, and there were the Nuremberg Trials, so uh, I I don't actually know the code off the top of my head, but uh, I'm really interested to learn more. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to show this first video, which shows kind
0: of why the Nuremberg Code came to be. So, here's the Nuremberg trials.
12: ...service of the German Air Force. It includes the three defendants who are not doctors, and the defendant Rostock, who is an immediate subordinate of Karl Brandt, and the defendant Loma, a medical official of the Nazi Party, and the defendant Percorny, whom we have grouped under the SS, for reasons which will appear later. I will deal first with the military side of the case. Hitler, as Supreme Commander-in-Chief of the German Armed Forces, exercised his authority through a staff called the Supreme Command of the Armed Forces, better known by its German initials OKW, or Oberkommando der Wehrmacht. The chief of this staff throughout the period with which this case will concern itself was Field Marshal Wilhelm Keitel, under the OKW came the three supreme commands of the three branches of the Wehrmacht: the Navy OKM, the Army OKH, and the Air Force OKL. Grand Admiral Erich Raeder was the commander-in-chief of the German Navy until 1943, when he was succeeded by Grand Admiral Karl Dönitz. Prior to the outbreak of the war, the commander-in-chief of the German Army was Field Marshal von Brauchitsch. In December 1941, Raukic was relieved, and Hitler himself took his position. Hermann Göring was the commander-in-chief of the German Air Force with the rank of Reich Marshal until the very last month of the war. Medical service. For purposes of this case, during most of the war, the defendant Hahnloser was chief of the medical service of the German Army. In 1944, he was succeeded in this capacity by Dr. Balfour. The chief of the medical service of the German Air Force through 1943 was Dr. Erich Hipke. From January 1944 until the end of the war, it was the defendant Schroeder. Subordinate to the defendant Schroeder are seven other defendants. The prosecution's case relating to those crimes to have been committed in the name of medical or scientific research. The charges with respect to euthanasia and the slaughter of tubercular poles obviously have no relation to research to research or experimentation. What I will cover now comprehends all the experiments charged (laughs) as war crimes in paragraph six of the indictment and as crimes against humanity in paragraph 11. It covers also the murders committed for so-called anthropological purposes, which are charged as war crimes in paragraph seven and his crimes against humanity in paragraph 12 of the indictment. Before taking up these experiments one by one, let us look at them as a whole. Are they a heterogeneous list of horrors, or is there a common denominator for the whole group? A sort of rough pattern is apparent on the face of the indictment. Experiments concerning high altitude, the effect of cold, and the potability of processed seawater, have an obvious relation to aeronautical and naval combat and rescue problems. The mustard gas and phosphorus burn experiments, as well as those relating to the healing value of sulfonylamide for wounds, can be related to air raid and battlefield medical problems. Also, it is well known that malaria, epidemic jaundice, and typhus were among the principal diseases which had to be combated by the German armed forces and by German authorities in occupied countries. To some degree, the therapeutic pattern outlined above is undoubtedly a valid one, and explains why the Wehrmacht, and especially the German Air Force, was interested in and participated in these experiments. Fanatically bent upon conquest and utterly ruthless, as to the means or instruments to be used in achieving victory, and callous to the sufferings of people whom they regarded as inferior, the German militarists were willing to gather whatever scientific fruit these experiments might yield. But our proof will show that a quite different and even more sinister objective runs like a red thread through these hideous researches. We will show that in some instances the true object of these experiments was not how to rescue or cure, but how to destroy and kill. The sterilization experiments were, it is clear, purely destructive in their purpose. And the prisoners of Buchenwald, who were shot with poison bullets, were not guinea pigs to test an antidote for the poison. Their murderers really wanted to know how quickly the poison would kill. This destructive object objective is not superficially as apparent in the other experiments, but we will show that it was often there. Mankind has not heretofore felt the need of a word to denominate the science of how most rapidly to kill prisoners and subjugated peoples in large numbers. This case and these defendants have created this gruesome question for the lexicographer. For the moment, we will press on this macabre science thanatology, the science of producing death. The thanatological knowledge derived in part from these experiments supplied the techniques for genocide, a policy of the Third Reich exemplified in the euthanasia program and in the widespread slaughter of Jews, Gypsies, Poles, and Russians. This policy of mass extermination could not have been so effectively carried out without the active participation of German medical scientists. The experiments known as high altitude or low pressure experiments were carried out at the Dachau concentration camp in 1942. According to the proof, the original proposal that such experiments be carried out on human beings originated in the spring of 1941 with a Dr. Sigmund Rascher.
13: The Nuremberg Trials were a series of international prosecutions that decided the fates of Nazi war criminals. Prosecuting Nazi leaders there brought a symbolic closure to the Third Reich. The trials were administered by the four principal nations of the Allied powers, the United States, Great Britain, the Soviet Union, and France. However, each of these countries had their own laws and legal system, and had to settle on a common framework of justice. So in August of 1945, they all sat down and hammered out the London Charter of the International Military Tribunal. With the London Charter, the Allies agreed that the defendants would stand trial and be allowed to have their own defense attorneys. Instead of a single judge, there would be a tribunal. Four judges, one from each allied country. The London Charter also defined the three major charges each criminal would face. Crimes against peace, like planning and starting a war, war crimes, such as killing POWs, and crimes against humanity. In other words, killing civilians as the Nazis did during the Holocaust between 1945 and 1946. This period was known as the Trial of the Major War
5: Criminals. Established important legal precedents for future international trials, including those
13: for Japanese war criminals, and for trials decades later in Rwanda and the former Yugoslavia. The Nuremberg Trials officially entered the crimes of the Third Reich into the historical record. That
0: was a little bit of background on the the Nuremberg Trial, and because of all the horrendous things that the Nazis did, Nazi Germany. Um, the Nuremberg Code came into be which is kind of what the, the first man was saying uh, like all the crimes against humanity and the, the mainly the doctors and how you know they just mass exterminated people, they, they euthanized people, they, they tortured them, so they came up with this rule set in the second clip and uh, this kind of explains what the Nuremberg Code is
1: Taking their places in the famous Nuremberg Courtroom, judges of the Allied Military Tribunal begin the trial of minor war criminals. In the dock, once occupied by their leaders, are 23 Nazi doctors accused of many crimes in hospitals, concentration camps and research centres. number one defendant is Karl Brandt, formerly Hitler's personal physician and a general in the Waffen-SS. Next in importance is Siegfried Handlöse, a former medical chief of the Wehrmacht. Herta Oberhauser, the only woman defendant, was a physician in the notorious camp at Ravensbrück. All the accused pleaded not guilty, but time and evidence alone will decide their future.
10: The Nuremberg Code was created in 1947 in Nuremberg, Germany, following the trial of a group of Nazi doctors accused of conducting inhumane and often deadly experiments on prisoners of concentration camps without their consent. At the conclusion of what's also referred to as, the doctors' trial, 16 people were found guilty. The Nuremberg Code was developed in response to the horrors of this experimentation, with the aim of protecting human subjects in medical research. The Code, and particularly its emphasis on informed consent, has had a profound impact on international human rights law and medical ethics. The Nuremberg Code consists of ten principles, voluntary consent is essential, So that's that number the one. The results of any experiment must be for the greater good of society. Human experiments should be based on previous animal experimentation. Experiments should be conducted by avoiding physical, mental suffering and injury. No experiments should be conducted if it is believed to cause death, disability. The risks should never exceed the benefits. Adequate facilities should be used to protect subjects. Experiments should be conducted only by qualified scientists, subjects should be able to end their participation at any time. The scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment when injury, disability, or death Hmm. is likely to occur.
14: The Nuremberg Code is the most important document in the history of the ethics of medical research. The code was formulated 70 years ago, in August 1947, in Nuremberg, Germany, by American judges sitting in judgment of Nazi doctors accused of conducting murderous and torturous human experiments in the concentration camps, the so-called doctor's trial. It served as a blueprint for today's principles that ensure the rights of subjects in medical research. So just
0: remember all the 10
14: principles of the code are, we're going to go over it again. First, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, Mm -hmm. should be situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved, as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected, and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment. The duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates, directs, or engages in the experiment. It is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. second the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society unprocurable by other methods or means of study and not random and unnecessary in nature third the experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results will justify the performance of the experiment. Fourth, the experiment should be conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. Fifth, No experiment should be conducted where there an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur, except in those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. 6. The degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. 7. Proper preparations should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. 8. The experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. The highest degree of skill and care should be required through all stages of the experiment of those who conduct or engage in the experiment. 9. During the course of the experiment, the human subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end, if he has reached the physical or mental state, where continuation of the experiment seems to him to be impossible. And finally, 10th. During the course of the experiment, the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage, if he has probable cause to believe, in the exercise of the good faith superior skill, and careful judgment required of him that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability, or death to the experimental subject.
0: Now, I was gonna read those all myself, but I got past the first one, and I, I started getting very angry because of what my mom's gonna explain in her book. but. German physicians were accused by the public and the medical society of unethical medical practices like human experimentation. And does that not remind you of anything that that has been going on in the hospitals?
11: Can I mention something? Yeah. So, in looking at this, um, there, there are about 1,800 people in the world today that have a title of medical ethics. They're professionals, medical ethics professionals. And I think last year was the 75th anniversary of the Nuremberg Code. And so none of those professionals, none of them uh, spoke one word about the Nuremberg Code. And it's even hard to find. We looked for it online and we couldn't find it. And finally, we found it. um, It took a Holocaust survivor. um, This book right here. to, To republish it to find it. And so if anybody wants to find it online, so you don't have to look like we did, go to Nuremberg75.com, and you can find a place where you can buy the book, but nowhere else can you find it. It's very difficult to find, which I thought was interesting. And then one last little trivia. Um, Guess who is, this is gonna blow your mind. Guess who is the head of medical ethics at the NIH?
9: Who?
11: Dr. Fauci's wife. And so when all this thing when everything went down and i don't know if we can say all this but um she 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 told people that didn't want to get the jab that they were to be treated different like she she created a lot of hatred for those people and i don't call that medical ethics i call that an an agenda i find that interesting
0: well that's a good lead up to this next clip that i'm about to show you of how it's still relevant today and it has to do with that clip that jake played earlier but it, it really gives it some detail to it and uh And then a second clip after that, and you'll see. Just watch this clip.
3: Thanks. It's been revealed America's top medical advisor supported contagious virus experiments before the pandemic. Dr Anthony Fauci argued the benefits of experimenting on contagious viruses was worth the risk of a laboratory accident calling it important work. US president has backed an inquiry into the origins of which some fear may have been caused by contentious gain of function experiments in Wuhan laboratory. These experiments, often with bat-derived manipulate, splice, and recombine viruses.
15: They just kept saying, he's on the road to recovery. But everybody has questioned, why did he die? It was the healthiest person.
14: Oh, two women tonight suing the Inland Empire Hospitals that their husbands were treated at when they had...
4: both men died. Both their wives say it wasn't the virus that killed them, it was the treatment.
3: The men were given remdesivir, but their families say they didn't know about the side effects.
4: Kikonine's Lauren Posen spoke to both widows about what they believe went wrong.
15: Both of the women I spoke with have very similar stories. They say not only were the families not aware of the side effects of this drug, they say their husbands didn't even know they were getting it. I'm a widow, you know, and I'm 52 and my kids don't have their dad anymore. Christina Briones says her 50 year old husband's death just doesn't add up. She says Rodney caught teen August 1st of last year. 10 days later, she took him to Kaiser Permanente where she says he was sent home with oxygen in a Z pack. Two days later, his symptoms got worse. His breathing had, it went down to the 70s. So then the ambulance came at midnight and that was the last time he was here, August 12th. And he died September 12th, a month later. Briona says her husband was healthy and low risk for dying. From- she says she pulled his medical records a few months after he died, hoping to find answers. Well, so the day he was admitted, August 12th, they started the Rendezvere and they were done on the 17th five doses. On the 17th is when his kidney started to fail. One of the side effects of the antiviral drug is kidney failure. But Briones says neither she or her husband were told of the dangerous side effects, nor were they told Remdesivir was administered something she says they never would have consented to. They just kept saying he's on the road to recovery. Widow Evangeline Ortega says a similar scene played out for her 65-year-old husband Armando. She says he died from kidney and organ failure after doctors at Redlands Community Hospital gave him Mendesivir, something she too says doctors never discussed with her or her husband about. When we got the death certificate it was said due to But everybody has questions why did he time It was the healthiest person. That's why both women are suing Kaiser Permanente and Redlands Community Hospital for fraud after prescribing their husbands remdesivir without their knowledge or consent. In a statement, a Kaiser Permanente spokesman said, treatments for continue to rapidly evolve and we prescribe care that is intended to provide the best clinical outcomes based on current knowledge and their individual needs. While nothing will bring their husbands back, both women say they want to stop another family from going through this heartache. They can't just experiment on our loved ones without telling us. I really wish that they would stop using rendesivir. I really wish they would stop. I reached out to Redlands Community Hospital and haven't heard back yet. I also spoke with the attorneys of both women who say informed consent needs to be back at the hospital so patients know what treatment they're being given and can decide whether or not they want it.
9: But about that clip,
0: why why does why do these rules not apply to these doctors? Why was rule number one that said no informed consent broken and allowed to be broken? I I don't understand these things and and we're we're still looking for questions and it and it breaks my heart because I know my mom and I know what it's like for these families that are going through the exact same thing. And you know, nobody was more detailed though, they weren't expecting this, for somebody to take as many notes, to get as many conversations, to get everything either written down or recorded than my mom did. She has the single, probably in this whole country, the best evidence to prove that these people are breaking every rule in the Nuremberg Code. So, I just want to ask my mom a couple questions. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to start with the uh, What's the difference between these poor families that went through this same situation and what's in your book? Like, what is the difference?
11: Well, it's encouraging to me that you see this on mainstream news and that people are talking about it because it it is wrong and it needs to stop. And that is still the number one way they treat people with COVID is remdesivir, which everybody knows now that it causes kidney failure and liver damage. And so, um, one of the main differences was when I had to leave Rob there, I told him specifically uh, not to give him remdesivir because his father had lost a kidney. They didn't want to know any history. They didn't care about any of his history. All they asked me was one question is, was he, can't say the word. And I told them, no, he wasn't. I didn't think it mattered. Since when did they ask you at an ER if you've when he had said your- He
0: said that several times too, that he was not.
11: Oh, he did. It says in his records that he said it was against his religion. Actually, he actually said those words in in the records, but um, they gave it to him while he was sleeping. Even when I would call multiple times a day, I would ask them, you know, about every single drug they were giving him. And a couple of times they said they gave it to him. And I said, no, he's not supposed to get this. He said, no. I said, no. Why are you giving it to him? And uh, it, it became very apparent after time went on that it didn't matter what our wishes were what our directives were they didn't care they had one protocol and it was to end his life and that's what they did
0: what was the the motivation for writing your book the protocol of kills
11: i really felt obligated to share with uh not just rob's audience but with the world that this needs to stop um this is this is only going to get worse as we get closer to the end rob did work on the archons you know, invading again, and end times, and uh, transhumanism—all uh, these things are ramping up today. It says, "As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the Son of Man appears." I don't want this to happen to you. I mean, Rob Skiba knew the dark agendas of this end-time system. I wasn't involved as much as he was about this c-word, but uh, I knew it was bad. I kind of didn't look at it as closely as he did. That's why the last thing he said to me before he was stripped apart from me was, I'm gonna die in here if you can't be my advocate. And I live with that every day. Um,
0: But you tried and you tried and you tried. I did,
11: I I did, and you know what? I think there's, uh, I've been praying a lot, and, and I remember praying in the hospital, and I asked the Father, Father, whatever will bring you the most glory, I'll receive that. You know I mean I, I know who Rob is I know how many people he helped and brought back into the faith and I didn't want to lose him I never thought I would lose him but um, but I prayed I said father whatever will bring you the most glory that's what I want and I feel like after after asking for that um, he's shown me that this is part of destiny and I believe that this book and our um, continuing this quest for truth and. Uh, having a small team with Jake and, and hopefully we'll grow our team, we we can uh, help unify as a people, as a, as as humans and stand against it because there, and Rob always said this, there are more of us than there are of them. I don't know if he was targeted. I know somebody, uh, Steve Quayle, did a video with Mike Adams saying that there was a list and that Rob was on that list because I know that Rob was a uh, watchman on the wall. He had been helping people get uh, medical exemptions so they wouldn't have to, you know, but uh, he, was, he was screaming from the mountaintops. In fact, I have two screenshots that he took on his phone um, two months before he went to the August 2021 Take on the World Conference. He had been kicked off Facebook for two whole months. So they had been shutting him down um, right before his death. And uh, I have to think that the enemy didn't like what he was doing. So... In saying that I want to let everybody know that censorship is real. I don't know how long this channel is going to be on. I hope the angels scramble the messages or help us get as much as we can out but I also want to tell the audience there are a few things that you can do to make sure that you can get the book and uh, one of them is to go to uh, the website that we've created called theprotocolthatkills.com and go to the contact page and on the contact page there's a little thing in red that says if you want to be notified when the book is actually available to purchase, you will be the first one to know. And in saying that, that we've given the transcript and all the evidence, all the original audios that I've taken, they are spread all over. Probably 30 different people have copies of them. If anything were to happen to me or Jeremiah,
0: all over the United States,
11: uh, we're gonna, we're gonna release the book digitally to all those people that are on that list yeah that one okay now if you see in red over there it says if you want to know when the book is ready for purchase there's another list that you can click there there it is okay so that's where you click and this is this is this this is the list so like i said um y'all i believe will protect us but just in case anything were to happen or if the youtube channel gets taken down put your name on this list and make sure that you are notified as soon as the book is out and if anything were to happen we have Somebody to push a button to have all those people on the list get a digital version that they can share with everybody. Because we're hoping it can spread far and wide. So.
0: Well, it's crazy tying the Nuremberg code back into it. The Nazis, they targeted people that had different opinions and people that had special needs. They did. Like this girl that you were talking about. So that's very interesting that they they target these kind of people, people that are outspoken, people that they disagree with, and it it just blows my mind. But I want to know, like, for the viewers, will you let them know why it it took so long to to expose all this?
11: There's a lot of reasons why it took so long. One of them was uh, the records. Um, and let me just tell you this name, Scott Shara. His last name's S-C-H-A-R-A. He's the father. He, he, he motivates me so much because he, his daughter, he says his daughter had to die to wake him up. And he spends every waking moment doing uh, radio shows. Uh, he has his own channel on Rumble. Um, it, it's, he's so encouraging to me. And, and he's the only other person I know that's actively speaking against uh, the hospital murders. There's a lot of other people dying from other things today but we still have to remember the people that had died in the hospital and so um later i'll give you his information i encourage each one of you to you know uh connect with his channel and also share his information because it's very important
0: we can put it but, in the descri- or in the in the description below okay as well.
11: okay great and so he encouraged from his story uh i i got the second a batch of uh, records and I mean I've spent thousands of hours going through these every single day we learned something new we learned something new and there was one thing I wanted to share also with the records uh, another reason why we wanted another set of records was because in the in the 5,000 pages there was no signature there was no signature showing me that Rob signed something, you know, the consents and admission nowhere, nowhere in there. And so we went in there. I I mean, they, they were jacking with us all the time. Like one time we went up there to get a CD and we got home and it was about a 45 minute drive, put the CD in, it was blank. So then we had to go back and get it. I mean, it's just a back and forth. It took forever to get, get them again. And so, uh, so there was that. And then, um, after getting the medical records back, we saw there was no signature. So then Jeremiah and I saw a name on the paper that said admissions and consent.
0: And it was scribble-scrabble. It it was like
11: gibberish. It wasn't my signature. It said verbal. It wasn't Rob's signature. It was somebody had written verbal, the word verbal. We found this out later because we went up to the hospital and there was a witness and we found her. It was only by the grace of Yahuwah, we found the woman and we asked her about it. And she said that, she later said, oh yeah, I signed that. And we said, why did you sign that? Because they would have had to read him all those. I mean, it pretty much was signing your life away and he would have never done it. He would have never done it. And I I think that's why they, they actually did the verbal on the 7th. He was taken in on the 3rd. And this supposed fake consent was done on the 7th. And the 8th is the day that they forced him down and gave him the BiPAP. So so that's another reason why it took so long is because like every day we find new information and have to do a little bit more investigation and so um that's kind of uh we just have to believe that it it's going to be what uh, the father wants it to be and as we continue we're, we're toward the end now but it took so long because every day we're finding new things and we knew that it was on purpose that we needed to keep seeking to make sure that it was complete and that we had all the details that we needed to have in the book so
0: well, my last question is, what would you have done different?
11: Um, you know, deep down, I I, I, I often play the shoulda, woulda, coulda, and I think if I had known to get a supplemental oxygen, I would have done that. And that's all he needed. That's all he was lacking was supplemental oxygen. We had the hydroxychloroquine. We had the ivermectin. That's probably going to get bleeped, but... We had everything we had all the all the uh, telemedicine doctor stuff except for the oxygen and so i go back and forth with if i had only known if i had only known because i have a a couple uh uh, friends actually the co-authors her husband got sick uh i think even worse than rob in february of 2022 and they saw what they had done to rob and they decided to tough it out and uh, they had supplemental oxygen and guess what he's alive today he's like he's he's perfectly fine and she had to feed him like a bird that's another thing they did to rob is they starved him he was treated like a incarcerated prisoner yep. he was badgered he was uh isolated he was like a
0: modern day concentration camp even
11: in the records it shows that they were uh forcing uh trying to get him to make a decision to get on the vent like at midnight i mean who does that i mean he couldn't rest he couldn't nobody was helping him eat uh and there's also a good a good doctor and a bad doctor the good one was saying everything was fine he was getting better he was getting stronger but uh there was one that screamed at me and said if your husband doesn't get on a vent he's gonna die do you want your husband to die and my sister and mother were with me when i had this call and uh i said no i don't want my husband to die but he doesn't need to be put on a ventilator because his numbers his oxygen saturation was like 98 and so um since that one phone call that's what led me to start recording every single phone call Mm -hmm. that i had with any of the doctors because i wanted to i thought rob was going to live and i was going to let him hear how 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 terrible they were everybody how awful they were because you know he would want to expose this darkness as well so so um i hope that answers your question
0: yeah jake do you have any questions
4: yeah, they, I just I think it's so important that people understand uh, like why this book is is significant. I mean, documenting what was done to Rob is uh, shedding a light on what has been done all across the world. Yeah. So I mean, there's three layers to this. You have the the control on the very top end of the WHO and the the you know. The Illuminati type, like let's control the world through this, this fear tactic, pandemic, right? And then below that, you have the big pharma uh, kind of influence pushing their, v, you know, pushing their medical experiment on everybody because of these fear tactics. And then below that, you have the the medical system that you guys had to tragically go through this terrible experience that many people had to go through where people were locked out, people weren't able to see their loved ones, they were badgered and 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 inside the medical system uh you know you, you know people have to get through all these layers of deception and then in the hospitals they're putting people on protocols that are killing them and and then to find out that, yeah intentionally it, it's just terrible it, it's so terrible what was done to you guys and done to rob and I, I just want to thank you for all of the, your time and effort put into compiling these notes and to prove look, this is was done to many people more more than just Rob. This was the standard oh, treatment yeah. protocol. And and Rob stood up against it. He didn't want to participate. He fought back and and they were so determined to force him on those protocols, even though now looking back in hindsight uh, you know, it's becoming more and more mainstream that remdesivir and the things that were being done in these hospitals, it was detrimental to people's health. And just the fact that he, you know, w- went out and said, yep, I'm not. He yeah, said it was I'm against his religion.
11: He literally said yeah. in the in the record, it was against his spiritual beliefs, that mRNA. He yeah. was very vocal and he, he was strong enough to tell him. I mean, I, I think he went down punching to tell you the truth. I really do. And yeah. they were—he was probably making the that. doctors angry.
4: So. Yeah, my, my one question would be, do you believe that they were extra harsh on him? Uh, I know and they were. Didn't want him to leave that hospital because he was such a forerunner, uh, you know, warning people about, uh, you know, the mark of the beast tied to the topic years ago, and knowing that he's a vocal anti-v person, anti-big pharma. Uh, do you think they targeted him because he would have made a good headline of, oh, this anti he got the worst of it?
11: I think he was targeted. I mean, he was he was fine when he came home from that conference, and then he just all of a sudden started coughing. I don't know if there was an aerosol or what happened. Regardless of how it happened, I do think he was targeted, and I do think it was to quiet him. But I also feel there's destiny. There's destiny behind this. And like I said, when I prayed father whatever will bring you the most glory i receive it and i have to have faith i have to have faith that he is still in control and that he still has a plan and that this book is part of that plan and um i'll be giving more details about our walk through this whole thing um some really amazing other details that uh i am really excited to share uh, on a more spiritual side but um i think it was destiny and i think even before we married even before he was born the father knew he was going to die this way. And I believe it was to uh, shed light and, and expose this darkness in such a huge way to, to hopefully turn the ship around. I mean, he said that in his last virtual house church, he said, I think we can have more time if we just start doing the right things and, and joining together. I mean, Rob said in his last recorded interview uh, with The Greatest Reset, he said, uh, uh, you either hate me or like me, but I want, you, I want to be known for a man who's on a quest for truth and you know and he was he, he he never he never strayed from his what the father showed him in the word he he stood on that and, and I believe that this book is, is he died he didn't die in vain but this book is gonna it was his final quest for truth now he's with the man who is truth and I have to uh, give that gives me some comfort Um, but I feel I feel obligated to share in detail with all the transcripts and details uh, with the audience uh, so that they can know that uh, this is what truly happened to us
0: and the truth will be exposed for the whole world to see that's that's what's crazy he used his life to, to show the whole world how dark this system is
11: and i'm and hoping it'll save lives
9: i think it
0: will. you know
11: i thought our local hospital was safe i mean i didn't know our local hospital had turned into a concentration camp i didn't know that my dad had been in there a couple of years before got a pacemaker And they saved his life. Um, I I don't know when that switch was flipped. Um, I know that the same script was being used across the United States where doctors were saying do you want to die and then they would kind of threaten you into getting on a ventilator. I I didn't know that until later. Um, I didn't know it was like a prison. I didn't know they were gonna literally strip us apart and and a guard was gonna escort me out. I didn't know that. If I had known that I certainly wouldn't have gone. But uh, there's still medical rescues today. So I don't know how many people know this, but th- don't go to the hospital if you want to live. Because most of them are, if you if you do get out, it, you're going to have to be rescued out because they only have one protocol and it's a protocol to kill you.
4: Wow. And, and you know, just a last comment on the Nuremberg trials and, and what's happening in today's world is a lot of those people uh, with the Nuremberg experiments, the Nazis... Uh, they It was done against their will mm-hmm. In terms of they were like Prisoners of war But in today's world we, We're living in a free will society And a lot of these things That are being done to us The way they're getting away with it Legally Is it's a free choice. They they are coercing people to participate in these experiments, and they want you to make that choice because then it's on your head if you participate. And that's what was so evil about what was done to Rob is he he it was like a you know a concentration camp experiment because he had the free will choice and he told them he didn't want to participate. Oh, 17 and they did times. It to him anyways,
11: it's in his record yeah. seventeen times. He even had a wristband that said DNI Do Not Intubate. I'm gonna find out someday who cut that off his arm, and I believe uh, one thing that, also, I'm I'm so proud of him as a, a strong soldier in you know, and man uh, that he never signed. He never, you know, when they torture people, they they they, they uh, you know they starve them, which they did to Rob. They bat, you know, they, they they torture them. They you know badger them. They they get them to do whatever they have to do to get them to sign. Well, Rob never signed. He never signed. He never gave up. He never gave in. He, he stood his ground until they had to uh, either jab him to get him out or injured him with the BiPAP. I don't know. But he never, ever gave in. And I, I, um, it makes me sad to know the details uh, because I couldn't help him. But, um, but I rest knowing that he is uh, with Yeshua and all his favorite uh, people in Scripture, Paul. And the most most misunderstood person in the scripture, in my opinion, um, Enoch, Elijah, all all those people. I mean, I, Abraham was another one. I think they're planning, preparing for our future, and I think that today we're living. It's getting exponentially worse with the with the transhumanism and the nanotechnology. I mean, I'm learning stuff last night that I didn't know. That it's, it's like it's ramping up so fast. I'll probably see Rob sooner than later, but um, I really want to help. Uh, Educate other people so that this doesn't have to happen to you.
4: Yeah, and people need to recognize that the un were targeted in hospitals because it pushed their uh, narrative. That's hundred percent
11: true, and I can tell you, they almost all the people that I've talked to that lost a loved one, uh, they were un. So that's true. I mean, I don't. I would like to see at some point. I think when the trials happen, and I'm believing and praying that they do sometime. We need to know how many people in that hospital were put on a ventilator and died that were not Because I was told by a local pharmacist that nobody was put on a ventilator if they were I have a big problem with that. You know, and, I and have a really their, big problem their with that. And
4: argument would be that, oh, it's worse if you're un- That's why you, the that people who were un- were dying and were put on ventilators, but what we have to recognize is that's what they want you to believe, not the fact that they didn't need the ventilators, not the fact that uh, they were disparaging against you know those who had the and who didn't, uh, but they wanted it to look like people who were, under were getting COVID so bad that they needed all these exactly. protocols, and the truth is the protocols were unneeded in the first place, and the protocols are the very things that uh, put people in the grave and, and that's the tragedy of this whole thing.
11: They had to have the numbers so high of the deaths so they used those people like me who was ignorant of it being a concentration camp or I call it a kill shelter because they were only they only had one thing in mind from the moment he was rolled in there they wanted to put him on a vent which he didn't need because his oxygen saturation was at 98. All this is detailed in the book. We had We had a medical expert actually write a Eight, uh, nine causes of death um, that's very detailed.
0: So can you give me a synopsis about your book?
11: Sure. So it's a true story and an urgent warning. It's it's the most exhaustive expose ever written on a government incentivized protocol that kills. The beauty of the way that we wrote this book is it's in seven voices. So it's in my voice as I'm living through the nightmare. And then a year later after studying the, me- the records for thousands of hours we have a fictitious legal counsel um who ties in a lot of uh laws and um facts and it's 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 almost four it's over 430 pages so it's it's a pretty hefty book um let me just read I'll read the back real quick I first want to say too though um, this is at the on my website but I want to I want to I want to honor those doctors that really did try to help people um and I want to read this if you are a medical professional or have friends or family who are please know that I am aware that there are many kind and compassionate doctors and nurses who have refused to support the protocol that kills even when doing so cost them their jobs I salute you I thank you and they are still being attacked today and I um I hope this book uh sheds light too on the on the um Misjustice uh, with those doctors as well. I've watched every Senate hearing, and they are still being attacked and also censored to that effect. But anyway, so um, I'll just read this. I never imagined I would be writing the tragic and true account of my husband's suffering and death at the hands of a group of medical professionals—a wholly callous and insensitive group that blindly adhered to a government incentivized protocol that kills. During my ordeal. It was as if I was a chess piece on a larger-than-life chess board and my husband, Rob, was the king on the opposing side, wanted to take down. My mother, sister, and close friends were the pawns on my side of the board. <clears throat> the opposing team comprised doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, social workers, and hospital administrators. Unfortunately, our opposition had the upper hand and they had far more pieces on the board and were seasoned masters of the game which they admitted that they had played numerous times. They even broke the rules when it served their interest to do so. Regrettably, the same game of cunning strategy is being played out in hospitals across the United States and world, where treacherous and devious masters of the game are defeating inexperienced patients and their unwary families. During the 40 days that my husband was held captive by a team hell-bent on enforcing the protocol, I shed many tears. Even though I insisted he not be, that he not be given dangerous drugs and therapies, they forced their will on him. After the unnecessary and tragic death of my husband on October 13, 2021, my suffering and outrage grew as I spent months working with a team of close friends, family, and medical experts who aided me in con- conducting a detailed analysis of the over 5,100 pages of the hospital records. In addition, my team and I analyzed hours of conversations that i had recorded with the doctors nurses and staff during my husband's 40-day hospitalization and that is allowed by texas penal code section 16.02 it's in the book if you want to know the rest of it sadly conducting a thorough investigation and authoring this book required reviving the trauma that i lived through numerous disturbing facts uncovered during our investigation verified That my husband did not die of natural causes, but due to the doctor's insistence that they follow their mandated and inhumane protocol that kills. My husband did not die of COVID. Speaking of the protocol from a nurse's point of view, Nicole Saratek, a registered critical care flight nurse who founded America Frontline Doctors to to advocate for patients mistreated by hospital's COVID protocols, said during a Senate hearing on January 24, 2022, This is what she said. Following orders has led to the sheer number of deaths that have occurred in these hospitals. I didn't see a single patient die of COVID. I've seen a substantial number of patients die of negligence and medical malfeasance. My story is raw. It's a firsthand account of how protocol focused doctors and nurses are violating the rights of patients and their families and how incentivized drugs and therapies are leading to needless deaths. I decided to share my story for two reasons. First, I wish to inform the public that the United States medical establishment has devised and has been following a strict, unwavering, and lethal protocol that prioritizes hospital profits over patients' rights, health, and well-being. Second, since being forewarned is to be forearmed, I hope to provide valuable insights that will protect you and your loved ones from falling victim to the protocol that kills. That way, if you are confronted With tough decisions and a formidable opponent as my husband and i were you can declare checkmate and emerge victorious i want to thank all those that have helped us and in saying that um, if any of you have uh, skills like marketing uh, public relations there's so many different pieces of this puzzle that we need to join our team please send me a message. I created a Proton mail that's just for this purpose, and it's Skiba at Proton.me. And um, we can put that in the in the notes too. But I want to end this on um, Jeremiah's book, uh, which also surprised me that he, he wanted to write it, and it blessed me that he did because it helped me remember all the good times that we had. Rob and I were married 14 years, and we met at a ministry. In fact, um, he said the only reason he wanted to marry me was because he overheard me praying during one of our monthly um, chapels that we had and he said that woman knows how to pray i'm gonna check her out so he did and he said also in some of his writings that um, if anything ever happened to him he would want me in his corner uh, to pray so i want to encourage all of you to to continue your prayer as 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 we continue to see the day approaching Don't forsake the assembling of yourself of believers um, because we know the end. And I think that's why it's getting worse. And it's scary because they know their time is short. And so let me just finish with this. Okay. So I just wanted to read this short excerpt from uh, Jeremiah's book, which Jeremiah's book really uh, explains the man behind the story. Uh, It's a very short read. And this is what he said at the end. My dad was a patriot. He served his country as an army helicopter pilot. He would expect me to stand tall and stand for what's right and take care of my mother. I don't cry around my mother. I let her spill her bitter tears of sadness as well as her angry tears of the unjust death of her husband and best friend. She fought valiantly to save my father from the hands of a wicked, tyrannical medical system that is broken. I was angry and I stood by my father's casket. Fourteen years ago, I stood in his, in this same spot with my mother and soon-to-be father at their wedding. I heard them exchange their vows to love each other until death do us part, and death has now parted us. Fourteen years have come and gone. Interesting that number 14 is like, as it is two sevens, which my father especially liked. He believed there were hidden messages in numbers. I wonder if there's a hidden message in this one for me. Something changed in me that day. I did an about face. As a musician, I had my own life's goals. Yet they seem somewhat dim to me now. I have a new sense of urgency rising up inside of me. An urgency to complete everything my father started but was unable to finish. His life was stolen from him and from us. His mission has become my mission. It is more important to me now than my music. Just a few months ago, my music was everything. Instead, I am stepping into my father's big boots and I am aware of how clumsy I feel in them. I can never be him or do life like him and he wouldn't want me to. He would say, Do your best, Jeremiah. Be yourself. Reach your generation. One day I was going through some of his papers and I found a few words that he had jotted down. They said, Every choice is a voice that shouts into your future who and what you are destined to be. Leave a legacy of faith and godliness. Every deed is a seed. So I will take these words and do my best as Jeremiah Sceva, Rob's son. I will uphold my father's name and continue the Skiba legacy. I now hold the torch my, fa- my father once ran so valiant with. I will now run with his torch in my hand and become the man my father had hoped I would be. Rob saw things in me that I didn't. He pointed out my strengths and made me aware of them. He believed in me even when I failed. He said I was a success and now I am on a quest to prove him right. He first inspired me the day we met when he asked me if I wanted to race on top of that building in Dallas on that sunny afternoon. My dad ran a good race. I remember the Apostle Paul said something like, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I whispered one last time beside that wooden box. Dad, you ran a good race and won all of heaven is applauding you, and so do I. In my heart, I saluted my father and walked away. My race continues. I want to make it to the finish line. I swear I will run the race and not grow weary. I am determined to see all of my father's projects come to completion and beyond. I'm beginning to see that there's never an end to the quest for truth. My father inspired me to search for truth. I didn't realize it until now that I was destined to run in his footsteps. I say run and not walk because he ran fast all day and often into the night hours in search for truth. So here I am running full speed ahead and I will keep running on this path to find truth wherever it leads me. All of those of you who uh, sign up to get information about the book when it's ready, I'm going to give Jeremiah's book free with each one of those orders. So I'm not, I'm going to estimate two weeks that it'll be available, but For all of you who go to the website and sign up to know when it's available, I'm gonna, for the first, I say 100 people, I'm gonna include this into, um, when I mail you my book, I'm gonna include this book as a gift. So thank you all for being part of this journey, and um, yeah, bless you.
0: Well, thank you for being such a great guest and a great mom, and thank you.
11: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Jake, for another great Current News, as always. Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. I hope you guys enjoyed the history, and thank you guys for being here every week and for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. If you want to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skebanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at Also, email Jake personally at jake at if you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, PO Box 560271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon. Where you will get exclusive content, shout-outs, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout-out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform.